Good morning, church. Would you open with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews 11 has been all about the hall of faith. We know about the hall of fame, but we have a whole slew of those all throughout history that made it to the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And today's message, we're looking at faith focus, faith focus. I, I brought a little something with me this morning, I happen to have, I don't, you got your seat. I don't, I don't get a seat. Everybody say, that's unfair. Yeah, guess what? We're, we're, uh, we're, we're going to make sure that the playing field is level today, that I, I want to sit down a little bit. I don't know about you, but for some of us, we might have started off our, our journey of faith by making a decision at some point. Somebody said, you can trust in Jesus, that Jesus forgives you. You said, okay, what do I do? Well, you just, you just pray. You ask God to forgive you. You believe that he is the son of God and that he rose from the dead, and that you can go to heaven if you believe in him. And for some of us, we made a decision, and we, we went ahead and we sat down, and we said, I'm not just going to hear stories about this Jesus. I'm not just going to acknowledge that, that Jesus is God, and that he is good, and that he does forgive. I'm actually going to choose to focus my energy on trusting this Jesus, all right? But I don't know about, I don't know about all of you, but maybe you made that decision a while ago, and then your focus got off of Jesus and you, you started kind of living life and doing the best you could and, and trying to live a, a moral lifestyle and trying to do the good and stay away from the bad and, and maybe some good works mixed in there. And, and maybe over time you said, well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm trusting in Jesus. Of course I believe in God. Yes, I, I would call myself a Christian. But at some point your focus turned from Jesus alone to now it's Jesus plus. And Jesus plus anything is nothing. But Jesus plus nothing is, is everything. That's our everything. It's one thing to have some kind of mental assent and acknowledgement that I, I know things about God and I believe a little bit of God. And it's, it's very different than to actually trust, to have faith, to have faith. Everybody say have faith. So what... What does that look like? It's the difference between I believe some facts about the Bible, I believe some things about God, and I call that faith. Do you know that for us, it's got to be more than just I believe and I acknowledge, and I don't disagree with the church and the Bible and God, but have you taken that step where you went from, well, I believe it, I believe it. Well, have you received it? Have you trusted? Do you have faith? Because you know what faith does? Faith is actually an action. Faith chooses to trust, not by thinking right thoughts, but by saying, if I sit down and this thing falls apart, right, I'm in trouble, but I believe that when I lean into Jesus, I embrace Jesus alone, he's going to hold me up. He's going to rescue me. When I call on him, He's not going to let me fall. And I wonder if today would be a day that you go from, well, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in God. Show me. Show me. How would you show that? It's faith is, is action. Okay, God, I'm trusting in you. That's it. I'm not trusting anything else. I'm not trusting in my own legs. I'm not trusting in where I can take me. I'm not trusting in all the things that I can try harder, do more, be better, you alone. It's you alone. Feed up faith. God, it's all you. It's all you. And today, 
could be a day where you say, I'm, I'm all in, fully committed. I'm not just thinking right thoughts. I'm living a life where I'm putting my full weight, full faith in Jesus alone. And my focus stays with him. It doesn't move on. Faith focuses on God's promises since they're better. Everybody say they're better. They're better. They're better than life and death. God is better. God is better than life or death. His promises, his truth, it's better than life or death. Faith is not only the way into the Christian life. I don't know if you've thought about this, but faith is not just the starting point. It's not just the gun that goes off when we start the race, when we start running the marathon, but faith is also the way forward. It's not just the beginning. It's the whole thing. It's not just the ABCs of faith is just trusting in Jesus, and then we move on from there. Here's the reality. Jesus is the, the A through Z, right? Long before there was Amazon, A through Z, there was, was Jesus. He's everything, and we stay focused on him. So if you are experiencing blessing and encouragement, God's calling you to go deeper into faith. If you, maybe this morning, have walked in hopeless, defeated, discouraged, God's calling you to go deeper in him. Whether everything is going awesome or everything is falling apart, guess what? How simple is this? It's the same solution, the same answer. We, we run to Jesus. We trust in Jesus no matter what we're facing. Everybody say, no matter what. No matter what's happening. And when it gets really, really hard, where do we tend to go? Like, God, where are you? And I'm going to find solutions elsewhere and forget this whole faith thing. I'm done. What did it ever do for me? And when things are going really good, we're like, I got this. I got this. God, thanks for helping me out back there when it got kind of hard, but I got it from here. I'm good. I'm good. So guess what? Whether things are going really, really bad or really, really good, what's our default position? To move on past Jesus to not trust, to not have faith. And so regardless of what your circumstances are, Hebrews 11 wants to finish off with this. Focus number one, if you're taking notes, greater, greater, greater. This is the focus. I'm focused on God and his promises that are greater than what life can give. When, when, when God is doing awesome things, I understand that faith lies in him. So let's take a look at a few a few dudes that we see in the Bible, okay? We got, we got a long history and just a few. The author of Hebrews names a few here. In verse 32, he says, and, and what more shall I say? Uh, we just got done going through 31 verses, and he's like, oh, oh, all right, let me catch my breath. I mean, what, what more can I say? And sometimes preachers say that because they're like, uh, I don't know how to land the plane. I don't know how to end this. Uh, what, what more should I say? Well, guess what? The author of Hebrews is like, there's so much more that I could talk about. There's so much more I could lay down. How, how do I end the endless history of those that have lived by faith? Well, here we go. Time would fail me to tell of, of Gideon. I don't know if you remember Gideon. The, the, this guy thought, man, we got, we got the enemy before us, tens of thousands, and, and that means we're outnumbered, and we need more troops. We need more support against the Midianites. Well, here's the reality. God said fewer. What? Well, if they have tens of thousands and you have thousands, the answer is more faith 
less trusting in, in your resources down to 300. Who's going to win the battle on that one? Uh, God is. Everybody say God is. Uh, God wins. God wins. And Gideon finally says, okay, God, I'm trusting you. This doesn't make sense, but I'm trusting you. How about Barak? We, we had uh, Sisera uh, as an enemy, and uh, long story short, uh, God says, uh, go into his tent while he's sleeping, and we're going to put a spike through his head. Everybody say, ouch. Yeah, uh, that was not good. That was not good. Uh, but defeated enemies, right? Obeying whatever God says. Samson, anybody remember that dude? Samson, he, he's going up against the Philistines. He's got his own issues. There, there's hope for all of us when, when you've got a prophet that is supposed to be living the life and speaking the truth and stepping up and being bold, and he's, he's a womanizer. Everybody say, that's a problem. That's a, that's a problem. And, and do you think that God said, well, uh, you're, you're not useful to me. No. He said, I, I choose you anyway in spite of all of your flaws, all your failures, all of your weaknesses, and one day we finally have Samson saying, God, even though I'm really, really strong and I'm pretty beautiful with my Fabio hair, right, that, uh, that I am going to choose to trust you in the battle, and he, he grabs a, a jawbone of an animal and like just slays a thousand people. Everybody say that's impressive. It is pretty impressive. I don't know the last time that you grabbed a chunk of uh, a face bone and, and just demolished an entire army, but uh, even though he was really, really strong, he wasn't that strong, and God was fighting for him. And even at the end of his, his life, as much as he knew that the Philistines were an enemy of God, and he had blown it and blown it, messed up and screwed up over and over and over again, that even when his eyes were gouged out and he was on the verge of being mocked and tortured, that he cried out, God, use me, use me, and God used him to bring down the enemy, the Philistines, even in his worst, even in his lowest point. I don't, I don't know if you walked in this morning, like, I, I'm way beyond God being able to use me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. If, if, if we put up on the screen even the things, the thoughts, the words, the activities that I've done even over the past month, the past year, I would be so horrified and embarrassed, the things that I've done in private, that I would run out of here and never come back. And God knows not just your past weeks. He knows your whole life, and he knows everything that you have thought, everything that you've done, and, and we see in the hall of faith those that blew it. And God says, I'm not done with you yet. I don't know who needs to hear that. I don't know who needs to hear that every single day. God's not done. He's not done yet. He's just getting started, right? It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where he's taking you, where your focus is, and that he's greater. He's greater. You will not experience the supernatural work of God if you do not live by faith. And here we have these men, Jephthah, uh, against the Ammonites. We have David, right? Uh, a boy with a slingshot. Do you think that he was really that good with, with a, a couple stones? Uh, everybody say that wasn't him. That, that wasn't David. That wasn't him. It was all God. It was even a boy, right? A young boy, faith in a God that is all powerful. What happens? Giants come crashing down. This is, this is awesome. How about this? Samuel and the prophets, uh, the author of Hebrews goes on. He's like, there, there were so few that are, were willing to stand up and speak on behalf of God. There were so few people that were even willing to, to hear from God, right? And here you have Samuel saying, 
God, I'll, I'll speak on your behalf. Well, nobody's going to listen, Samuel. Well, I know that nobody else is willing, right, to, to do the hard work of representing you and, and speaking on your behalf, but I'll do it, and I'll do it even if, if not a whole lot of people are going to listen. And the whole story of the prophets throughout the Old Testament is only a few were willing by faith to say, God, we're going to take you at your word, and we're not just going to keep it to ourselves. I, I don't know if you've embraced the, the gospel uh, of uh, American privacy and individualism, but there is one good news. There's one gospel, and this gospel doesn't stay with you. It's just personal. It's personal. It's just between me and the Lord, okay? There's no such faith like that. That nothing in the Bible talks about some kind of personal, private, to yourself, individual, as long as you and God are okay, nobody else needs to know, nobody else needs to see anything in your life, nobody needs to hear from you. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because those that have faith, they don't just talk about it to themselves and have a private discussion with God. They, they have a focus that says, if I rest in Jesus Everybody needs to know because it grows legs. It's got to move. Full faith leads to impact for many. And so I don't know where you've been, but even starting today, if your faith is real, you're talking about it. If your faith is real, other people know. If your faith is alive and active, it is moving into messy relationships and dark places. It's moving towards hurt and pain it's moving towards those that are lost and far from God. It's moving into conversation with those that hate Jesus and hate the church and hate Christianity. It moves into, it moves towards the true gospel, real faith, always moves into. The focus is not, I'm good with God. Real faith focus is always in life, in the short, brief life, everybody needs to hear. Everybody needs to know. Even if I'm not living it perfectly, I need to share the truth because it's not just good for me. It's good for a lost world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that, that Jesus is just good for you? That Jesus is just for you alone? Do you believe that? And I think we would say, no, I, I don't believe that. I believe that everybody needs God. I believe that everybody needs to be rescued from a literal hell. I believe that there is a heaven. I believe that I want all people to go there. Well, if you believe it, you stop thinking about it and you actually start living it. I believe my focus is on Jesus fully and it's active, it moves. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but as we look at these lives, man, they were all in. They were all in. Everybody say all in. I mean, they were fully committed. Some of them were a total mess and they were all in eventually. Some of them came from a place where they grew up in good, solid Christian homes, we could say, right? Places of faith. Others, they had no role models at all, and they came to this place of living their lives by faith. I, I wrote this down. The saddest legacy to leave is one that is completely explainable by you. The saddest legacy to leave is one that is completely explainable by you. I don't, I don't know if you've thought about one day that there is going to be you either in ashes or in a casket and there's going to be people surrounding 
at least your, your body or what was you, and they're going to say things about you, right? And are the things that they're going to say about your life, they're going to say, she was, he was, man, such a hard worker and diligent and accomplished. And, and man, I mean, like, what a, a life to live. What a legacy to leave. And if it's absent from, there's no explanation for this life. I mean, we, we knew him. We knew her. And I know that they're, they weren't capable of doing what they did and living the way that they did. Because they had faith in a God. They didn't just think about a God. They didn't just talk about a God. They weren't just religious. They didn't just have right ideas about God. Their life was marked by Holy Spirit movement, by a God that worked in them and through them. There's no explanation. And this is what we have here. We have a list of, of names of people that are going, there's no way that that was them. There's no way that they did that on their own. They're not a hero they are an object of God's instrument using every day in ways that we would never understand apart from God. So is your life understandable apart from God? Can you explain your life? Well, yeah, I went to the right school and I got the right degree and I worked my way up and I, I worked really hard and yeah, you did it. Who gets glory? Well, you do. So glory to you. Why don't you do it early? Just look in the mirror and say, glory to you, all credit to you. You're awesome, right? Which is, which is what every uh, self-help book is trying to deliver to us, right? I, I wonder if for some of us, we're, we're done with the self-driven, self-motivated, self-glorifying life, and today could be the day where you just go, I want people to see Jesus when they look at me. I want my life to be unexplainable. Like, how how is she doing that? How, are, how is he living that way? Like, he doesn't take credit for himself. She doesn't live for, for her own praise. She doesn't live for likes. She doesn't live for acknowledgement and, and attaboys and pat on the backs. There's somebody else that's getting all the credit, all the glory. And these, these individuals here in Hebrews 11, there was one explanation, and it was God. God in them, God through them. Verse 33, are you there? who through faith, what, what else happened? In, the, in their lives, they saw awesome things. Through faith, they, they saw conquered kingdoms and they enforced justice. Uh, we think about the judges in, in the Old Testament. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. Uh, how did that happen? Well, think about Daniel, right? Uh, do you think Daniel was just really, really strong? Do you think Daniel had like, like a, a sweet span you know, shack-like hands, and he was just like all night long, like working hard, shut the mouth of that lion. Do you think that's how the story went? Uh, it, like the next day, Daniel pops out alive, unscathed. What's, what's the only explanation? He's like, I, I was trusting God. God came through. It wasn't me. Glory to, glory to God. Praise God. God gets credit even when others are prone to say, man, Daniel was awesome. No, Daniel's God was awesome. That's, that's the deal. Here we go. Th verse 34, quench the power, uh, the power of fire. How did that happen? Well, anybody know about these three boys? We're, we're going to have a quiz later, and you're going to have to write down their, their names. I don't know if you want to write down uh, their Hebrew names or 
uh, but we, we might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is that, does that sound familiar? A little Bible trivia, right? Some of our kids are like, I know those guys, all right? Well, by faith, amen. I, by faith, these guys, what did they do? These young boys, right? It's not like they were, they were mighty theologians that like studied the word all the time and, and that they were super tough and ready to fight warriors. These are, these are boys. These are teenagers, right? And they're in a new land, and all of a sudden now they have a new boss, Nebuchadnezzar, all right? He's kind of a bad mamma jamma, okay? Bad dude. And he says, uh, everybody right now bow down. These three guys are going what? Uh, no, no. Even conviction in teenage years is possible. It's possible to be able to see boys say yes to God firm, not thinking right thoughts about God, not living for the applause of, of people to be a good boy, but instead, at some point in their teenage years, they said, I'm all in with God. He's my God. I'm living for him. Well, what if it gets hard? I mean, what if there's temptation? What if there's pressure? We're not going to bow down. All right, where do we go? In the furnace. I don't know if you realize, but uh, this particular furnace of Nebuchadnezzar's had a little bit of a history. And, it, and it's, it's true. They have documentation that they were able to burn. I don't know how this happened. They were able to burn it so hot that most of the, the workers at one point that had to like throw people in here either like passed out, got through third degree burns, or died, a lot of them. And they were even just within proximity of this furnace. They couldn't even get close enough, and you got your, your help like falling over, dying, torched. So you're not talking, well, maybe he cranked it down for them, right? It's like, no, it was hot as Hades going on right there in this furnace, and these three boys ushered in. What's the miracle, right? The miracle of faith is there was not three that were seen. There was, there was four in the fire, right? There was four in the fire. Were they abandoned by God? God was not just out there somewhere helping them. God was in there with them in the midst. Faith that God is not just somewhere generically committed to me, but he's with me in the midst of horror. I mean, think about what powerful testimony this was. And, and just a side note, I think we talked about this before with, uh, with uh, Joseph and Jacob and the lineage there. We had Jacob that was named Israel because he wrestled with an angel. And not just any angel, we believe it was a Christophany. Everybody say Christophany. Come on, come on, you can practice it. Christophany is a... Uh, Jesus appearing in the Old Testament before uh, the nativity scene, right, before Bethlehem, and here we have another one. In the fire, we have Jesus himself with these boys. So for some of us, we go, well, they didn't believe in Jesus. They just believed in God. It's like Jesus was showing up all over the place, and those in the Old Testament, the way that they were saved wasn't by law abiding and working hard and keeping the commandments. It was because they were looking ahead to the cross. They were looking ahead to the Messiah, and even here, he's showing up and saying, I am with you. Here we have escaped the edge of the sword. So many were able to, to flee because of faith in God. God was their protector. They were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and all the stories, right? And the author of Hebrews is like, man, we could spend weeks and weeks talking about all the awesome stories of those that lived by Live by faith. And what did faith look like 
every step of the way. It didn't look like passive, waiting on God, doing nothing. It looked like active. It looked like, God, show up in my life. Work through me. God, I want you to be seen. I want others to know that you are, you are God. And so here the active faith is seen in so many. Verse 35, I love it. W- women receive back their dead by resurrection. Again, we could spend a lot of time recalling all of these stories of God's even able to restore those that have passed. He raises people from the dead. Everybody say, he's powerful. He's powerful. He's powerful. He's able to do anything, and he's, he's looking for those that would live by faith, that would trust him, believe him, have confidence in him. Faith, when the breakthrough comes, and we say, yes, God, and I was trusting you, I was trusting you every step of the way, and finally the breakthrough, and finally you showed up, and sometimes we get so excited when we're maybe on the mountaintop of, I got to tell everybody this awesome story of how I didn't have, and then God showed up, and he provided, or how many stories are there within the church of, uh, I was sick, and then all of a sudden there's healing, and we, were, we didn't know how we were going to pay our bills, and, and all of a sudden there's, there's money, and God's providing, and I mean, Sarah and I have so many stories of we didn't know how, and all of a sudden, God did, and we celebrate the, the breakthrough, the, the victory, right? And so here is our first section of the life where we see God is providing, God is giving, but I also want us to consider the second part. We're about to transition into the not-so-comfortable arena of faith. I think we all want to live in verses 32 through 35. Like, God show up, God work, God do awesome things. I, I want to praise you for all the ways that you are so good and so faithful. But here's a question, and this is what the author of Hebrews would ask. Well, what about when your life looks very different? What then? What happens to your, to your faith? What, what happens to faith that... When God brings prosperity and God is so good, you're like, legs up, baby. Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I'm not going anywhere. My focus is on you. I believe in you. You're good. You're good. You're good. And then you get the phone call. And then the situation happens. And then the family member that you thought, it's not happening that way. And the, the, the job to the pursuit to all that you hoped for and pretty soon, God, I, I trusted you, and now I'm not so sure. And now I'm distracted, and now I'm wandering, and now my focus goes from, from Jesus alone to, well, I guess Jesus bails us out once in a while, but then when it gets really hard, you just got to man up. You know what I mean? You just got to take care of business yourself. You just got to try harder and do more. And that's not, that's not the way of, of faith. Or I need to protect myself, and I need to look out for number one. Well, here we go. What happens when life doesn't go the way that you thought? When, when focus becomes less about life and more about death? Here we go. If you're, if you're taking notes, focus two is God is greater than what death can take. God's not just greater than what life can give. God is greater than what death can take. And when you feel like you're losing, when you feel like God has changed, when the good turns to bad, are you going to serve God no matter what? 
And I, and I want to start off with this. I want to start off with William Cowper, lived in the 1700s. He wrote a number of hymns. He was a poet. Uh, he lived for many, many years as a almost an Edgar Allan Poe type, like dark poet. He suffered from chronic depression day after day, and then that turned into years, and that turned into decades. And then he found Jesus. And his radical conversion, do you know what happened with his depression? Nothing. And so for the next decades, do you know what, do you know what his life was like? His life went from chronic depression, borderline suicidal, to same feelings, same darkness, same anxiety and depression, except there was hope deep down inside that he never experienced before. He didn't make the bad go away, right? God didn't take all of that away. God allowed, at least for William Cowper, to stay in a state of almost perpetual burdening of depression to show himself off that God sustains even if the circumstances don't change. God is greater than even all the emotions and all the fears and all of the struggles and all of the mental health issues that any of us could face. It's not God is good if he takes it away and God what's wrong with you if it remains. It's faith is at work sustaining. Faith is at work bringing hope and help even if nothing changes. And I don't know this morning if you're in the same place like, God, I thought you were going to change this. Yeah, I didn't trust you. Life was bad. I trusted in you. I thought life was going to be good now. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. God is glorified in us when we are satisfied in him even if nothing changes on the outside, even if things don't change in my, my heart and my mind. And this is what he wrote. This is, this is him as a Christian now. And God used his dark days, his dark years, to write hymns, to write songs. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm, deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Oh, fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds, there's so much dread, are big with mercy, and they will break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord. Don't, don't judge God by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purpose will ripen fast. Unfolding every hour, the bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief, it's sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. As William wrestled over and over with, God, it's not getting better. It's not getting better. Do you know what grew inside of him? It wasn't just facts about, I know God is good, and I, I know he's faithful, but William went on a decades-long journey for the rest of his Christian life saying, God, 
I'm not getting off the chair. I'm not going to stray. I'm staying put. I'm resting in you. If it doesn't get any better, I'm focusing right here, feet up. Fully trusting, complete faith. And the battle every day for his heart was start taking matters into your own hands. Start trying to figure out how you can solve your own problems. I don't know where God is, but he's not here. And so why don't you get up off your butt and start doing some work to try to get your life in a better place? And he goes, the best place for me to be is right here. Resting. My faith will not be moved, even though it's provoked every day, even though I'm tempted every day to reject my God. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, even if it doesn't get better, even if it doesn't get easier. So if you're taking notes, number two, greater than what death can take. We have a whole slew of those that walk by faith. Some of these things are pretty, pretty intense. Are you ready? Verse 35. Some were tortured. Some, some followers of, of God, they were tortured, refusing to accept release. Just renounce God. Reject Jesus and we'll let you go. No, no. So that they might rise again to a better life. The resurrection. That's what they had their eyes locked on. That's their focus. Verse 36. Others suffered mocking, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. We have, we have multiple people that uh, were, were tortured with rocks, both big and small. We have Paul himself that multiple cities he went to. They, they tried to kill him with rocks. We, we have Zechariah. We're not just talking about small rocks. I mean, Zechariah and others that spoke up for the Lord, they had boulders dropped on them, right? Shut up about this God. Where is he now? And death. And guess what happened? The worst thing was the best thing because in a moment, the God that these guys did not reject they were now face-to-face, -face, hearing, well done, well done, to the very end. You ran the race. You kept the faith to the very end, no matter what. They were sawn in two. What does that mean? Well, kind of like what it sounds like, except not a really sharp blade, right? Uh, a rusty, nasty saw, cutting in half, torn up. They were killed with the sword, thinking about Ahab and others. Heads cut off. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, and they were destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Okay, so we're not talking about, I lost my job persecution, right? We're not talking about, I got made fun of because I spoke up about Jesus persecution. We're not talking about, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to, to be bold with my family and uh, I'm losing relationship with, with my loved ones because I'm taking a stand for Jesus. We're talking about torture after torture, all the different ways that persecution has looked throughout the years. And is it over now? Are we living in an age where the, the church is not being persecuted? Everybody shake your head. If you, if you go online, you can see multiple websites where you have statistics of what's happening in different countries, and even this past year, we're looking at uh, how many were, were tortured and killed. And we're not talking about a few in a few different countries. We're talking about tens of thousands 
in hundreds of countries. We're talking about illegal, shut your mouth, we'll let you live free and comfortably if you just stop talking about Jesus. And even to this day, no, no, I, I will not stop speaking. I will not stop boldly living out my faith because faith is not private. Even though it starts personal, faith goes, goes public. And people, even to this day, our brothers and sisters across the globe are losing their lives. This has been the way. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering around in the deserts and in mountains and dens and caves on the earth. What kind of life is that? Well, it's not your best life now, is it? Real faith says no to temporary pleasure to say yes to eternal joys. My bucket list, I can rip up and I can throw in the garbage because I have forever to fulfill my bucket list. This is such a brief life. Is my faith alive? In 1 Peter, if you want to jot this address down, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. I was just, I was, I was so impacted by, by Peter this week. We're gonna be we're gonna be preaching through 1 Peter sometime. Everybody say it better be soon. Come on. All right, all right. Such a good book. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You've been grieved by various trials. Are you feeling that? There's some trials. There's hard stuff. For a little while. Everybody say, for a little while. For a little while. For a little while. Verse 7. So that, why? Why do I have to go through this? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, this is hard, this is painful, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor of who? of Jesus when he returns, right? Glory to glory to God. I, I love this. I love that Peter is like, for a little while, for a little while, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through the hard stuff because if your faith is real, if it's genuine, uh, you are going to face trials, not because you're stupid and you screwed up and, and you're facing consequences of your own choices and your own sin, but you're actually going through the hard stuff because you're taking a stand for truth. You're living rightly. He says, this is why you have to go through it. And this is just one, one explanation. Why, why do Christians have to face this? Because it tests the genuineness of your faith. Have you thought about that? So every day when you wake up, every day when, when, when you get the phone call, when your life is altered, when you hear, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have cancer, your child is dead, uh, I want a divorce, when, when those days come, something happens. God's saying, today starts a season to test whether it's real. Is your faith real? Have you been playing church? Are you, are you religious but without relationship? It's the hardship that tests whether you're firmly seated in Jesus. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easier. It may mean it's going to be harder, but someone's going to carry you through it, and it's not you. It's not you, that your faith would be tested real. Here we go. Everybody say, lay on the plane. Focus number three, God is greater. His promises are greater than the weight. Verses 39 and 40. And all of these, everybody say all. All of these, all of these, both glorious and gory, both glorious and glory, 
uh, gory, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Everybody say, what? What? They didn't receive what was promised? Just wait. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect or complete. What's the emphasis here? God provides salvation even for those in the Old Testament that we just took a a little survey of, even though they didn't get to taste and see of the coming of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the glory of salvation, they were looking ahead by faith, knowing he's coming, he's coming. They didn't get to experience it. But guess who does? I, I don't know where you're at right now, thinking about Christianity, but you're living in the best day ever to follow Jesus, because as you look back, you get to say, I I have all of the Bible. You know how many people went through generations and and lifetimes of, we we only have like a a little parchment, a little piece of paper that has like one letter on it, and that's kind of all we have, or we we have portions of the Old Testament, or Abraham was like, I ain't got nothing, I ain't got nothing. God says, go. I say, where? He says, you'll figure it out, you'll find it. When you get there, you'll know. And he goes, all right. Everybody pack your bags. He had nothing to go off of, right, other than God said, do it. He said yes. And today we have everything. We have everything at our disposal. We have history. We have all of Scripture, full revelation, Old and New Testaments. We have everything we need, and still we're living in a day where we are more hard-hearted than ever. We are more stubborn than ever. We're more skeptical than ever before even though we have so much substance to believe in, so much to grab a hold of, and I hope that's not you. I hope today you would say, I'm done playing games. I want to be all in, fully committed. I want to realize the fullness of what Jesus died for.